Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! So, hi all. Hey, Rob. The first show of the week and only the second ever of its kind. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast recap show from the week before. And before we move through into this show, I think, JB, after you and I did this last week, firstly, we can put a tick in the box that it was a success, right? If anyone had any doubts that there was, you know, the potential for, I don't know, Waldron, some people maybe thought there might be too much of a good thing. I actually think yeah, what that's we've done is, what it was, yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately what we've done is perform a public service because, you know, like when you go into shops to buy your coffee and they stamp your card and every six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you might get one free. Well, what if we just give you a whole other slot free? No stamps required. You can just roll in and get more of the good stuff whenever you want. And us recapping the week before seems like an awful lot of that good stuff. So, um, Aldrin, you're back with us. I should probably make more of this. A week ago, we were making know, excuses right? and talking about your absence. And for those people who are maybe worried, well, hold on. They've invited back this resident NFL genius to talk about the weekend's games. But if he was away, is there a chance something may have been missed? Aldrin, why don't you reassure the listening public by telling them where you were? No, I was in the Sunshine State in Florida. And I was uh, watching NFL in a bar in America. So, yeah, I was living the American dream. See, I started doing that. And although I know the lyrics are something, something, something America, that sounds quite Mexican now I'm doing it. That's America, though, right? Yeah. It's fine. I think it made the point. It made the point. I keep forgetting we can add actual music. Yeah, I need to do less of this. So welcome to the recap show. And the way it works is very simple. For those of you who may have missed some of the weekend's action, we will recap every score. And then what we'll do is we'll talk through the high and low watermarks. We'll talk through our biggest surprises, our best performances, and end as a group trying to pick who we believe is currently the best team in the NFL. For those listening a week ago, you will know that that accolade went to the New England Patriots seven days ago. So exciting times ahead. So let me rattle through our scores from week 13 of NFL action. Um, The Cowboys against the Saints ended 27-17 to in favour of the Cowboys, which is Slightly flattering of the Saints, in truth. The Cowboys with a very dominant performance on Thursday night football. The Colts equally dominant. Goodness me, 31 points to nothing against a pretty hapless and hopeless Houston Texans who'd shown a few signs of life in recent weeks, but not against the almighty Indianapolis. Um, The Detroit Lions. Well, if anything in this NFL season was predictable, it's that the Lions would come out with nothing in the win column until now. 29 points they managed to put on the board, albeit against a beaten-up Minnesota Vikings defense. 29-27, the final score there. The Dolphins continue their unspectacular but pretty amazing run of winning games with a 20-9 win over the New York footballing Giants. The Buccaneers took care of business. A few exciting plays maybe distracted Falcons fans for long enough to um, forget that the scoreboard read 30-17 in favor of the Bucks, The Jets, well, they were pretty much in this for a while, but yet the scoreboard at the end says very different. 33-18 in favour of the Philadelphia Eagles there over the Jets. The Cardinals took care of business at a very wet and windy soldier field to beat the Bears 33-22 and effectively validate my pick for them being in club dub last week. 
the Bengals, well, they were out of it. Then they were in it for a while. Then they were most definitely out of it again. Um, from 24-0 down um, and coming back to 24-22, they end up losing 41-22 to the LA Chargers. The other LA team, the Rams, well, they were 37-7 winners over a Jaguars team that just refused to get any better. Washington and the Washington football team won a close one over a very competitive Las Vegas Raiders. The Steelers win by a single point. And it goes down to the final play of the game as they beat the Baltimore Ravens. The Seahawks, well, they bounce back after some really disappointing performances and an awful lot of trick play involved. Um, One of the greatest fake punts you'll see in the NFL in many years to win 30 to 23 over the 49ers. The Chiefs unspectacular, but very workmanlike, beating the Broncos 22-9. And then uh, on Monday Night Football last night, we saw the Patriots absolutely live out Bill Belichick's dream game. It was where it was windy. It was horrible. And that was all they needed to win 14 10 over the Buffalo bills. So if those are all the scores and hopefully I did a reasonable job there with my mini recap, let's start by going around our virtual room and saying of all the performances you saw on Sunday, which was the most surprising to you, either from a winning team or losing team and Aldrin as you're back, let's go to you first. Yes, it was the Seahawks game. I mean, I would selflessly pick out the Colts as being, you know, the, the best game of the week. But Oh, we've got I, that to I come. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, I guess the Seahawks was the weird one. Um, I didn't really see that coming. But like you say, when you pull out incredible special teams play, then that sometimes can swing the tide, can't it? But yeah, that was kind of out of nowhere, really. I kind of feel a bit for the 49ers because, you know, it's not the Seahawks don't deserve the win. I mean, that, that fake punt was brilliant. I mean, they were brave. They, and once they got ahead, you, you kind of felt that little bit of belief coming back to, to Seattle. But I mean, it's a game where for very long stretches, they just weren't the better team again. And I mean, certainly what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo, if everything we're hearing that he's available for trade at the end of the season I mean, there'd be plenty of suitors for him, won't there? I mean, even with the kind of salary a player like Jimmy Garoppolo commands, I mean, surely there will be a queue. Um, I just feel it was just one of those weird games that bad teams are sometimes capable of. Admittedly, incredibly entertaining, though. That that punt, I mean, just the fake punt with the direct snap to effectively the gunner and and the fact they got seven from it. You know, how often do we see a, a fake punt lead to a 10, 12-yard gain to get a first down? But the fact that gave them seven, um, I thought was was really exciting. So I like that. JB, um, I mean, you could pitch for the same or similar, but who was your surprise from the weekend's games? Like I, I am absolutely stunned that Aldrin got to go first and his response wasn't Minnesota 27, Detroit 29, because That's how right. is that not the most surprising thing that happened at the weekend? I thought I'd leave that to you. You'd love that one. Just, oh, just, it was really weird watching it because there was a part of me that really wanted the Lions to score and the Lions to not go winless. And that, like, cause they've come so close on so many times. They were cheated out of a victory because of some poor officiating for the clock a couple of weeks ago. But there was also a part of me that just kind of looked at the game and thought, but you don't deserve this because you're not a very good team. Um, and there were there were some incidents, and I think it's weird that we talked about the Seahawks and talk about how much of a an impact that um, 
fake punt that um, Homer ran in because when it happened, Rob sort of said, this is what we talk about when you talk about bad teams have to do things like this because they can't do the good things well enough. Well, you know, the Seahawks did just enough good things well enough to, to take advantage of the 49ers. The Lions kind of kicked and, and scraped and clawed their way to victory and, and snatched it from the jaws of defeat at the very end. And it felt a very much like a very Vikings thing to do, but like just the lions winning just how is that not the most surprising thing that happened lions winning's odd because at the end of the game i forget who the commentary team were now but they were talking about the fact that the lions before then had lost is it three times this season already on the final play of the game either kind of you know field goals as time expire and so on and so forth and i mean part of me feels like the lions aren't even that good you know you're amazed that they have run a couple of teams close um but I will say this, amongst the plays at the weekend the Lions made, and they rely too heavily on, on Goff looking for Hawkinson because he's he's really their only kind of standout performer in that. In the, I mean, he's a tight end. Isn't he? I was about to say the wide receiver room there. But do you know what? The plays that won them the game, that final play, I mean, they were good plays. I mean, Jared Goff, you know, had a couple of really good throws at the weekend. He also had some really wayward and, and some kind of poor decisions. I mean, I, I still, there's a part of me that still wants to side with Jared Goff and say that all of that's, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to throw bad balls when you've got that much pressure on you and so many linemen, you know, in your face. But yeah, the, the Lions winning as they did, yeah, probably is the surprise of the week. Um, we will have no winless team um, this season. If, and the Lions I, looked a winless team all along, didn't they? Yeah. If I can, the other thing I think I would I would just like to call out is uh, Dan Campbell. As as much as we talk about his capability and ability to be a head coach and whether he's going to be there next season or anything like that, after the game, dedicating the victory and dedicating the game ball to the victims of the Oxford high school shooting that happened, that was a very, very good thing to do. It was a very important thing to do. And just... I think it's something that deserves being mentioned on our, you know, meager podcast just for being a good man and doing a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I have been critical of Dan Campbell this season and before this season. I'm, I'm not quite sure he's made out to be a great NFL head coach, but I think you saw the reaction of the players and the way they spoke in the interview. Um, even if he isn't a great NFL head coach, I think they all believe he's a very good man, don't they? I mean, I think he is he is a player's coach and, and obviously garners an awful lot of respect, not only in that locker room, but but with that franchise, that community potentially. So yeah, just, good, it, good work for him. It reminds me of that 2013 season where the Jets didn't do particularly well. And in the fight after the final game of the season, um, it would have been Woody Johnson then, wouldn't it? Announced that they were bringing Rex Ryan back for the next year and and everybody in the locker room went absolutely mental because they were so happy because they love playing for Rex Ryan. I think you see that with Dan Campbell as well. I think the you know the team they've got will will go out and run through a brick wall for him. They just won't catch the ball as they're doing it. They're not particularly well coached for me. They're not particularly well organized. But but look, let's not the the guys just won his first game as the head coach of the Lions. I don't have to listen to all that nonsense about Jared Goff not having won a game without Sean McVay, 
which seems a bit unfair when every year up until now he's played with Sean McVay. They're, they're talking as if there's some huge sample size there. Um, my shock of the week, um, and look, you guys have kind of taken uh, the two biggies. Um, I'm going to go for the Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles have got a decision to make. Because for me, particularly in that first half, and you say particularly in that first half, I don't think he had an incompletion, did he, in the first half? They looked a much better team with Minshew under centre. And I've kind of come around to the idea that Hertz actually isn't that bad a quarterback. I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's fundamentally flawed as I maybe did at the start of the year. But do you know what? Gardner Minshew, if he can put a few games together, and I think his problem in Jacksonville is he was a bit streaky towards the end. He, he didn't really create the greatest case to keep him as a starter through periods last season. But if he can put a few games together here, and if he can get Philadelphia in the conversation when it comes to playoff football, and I think that's all they need to be, from where they are at the moment, if they can just start to show signs that there's maybe something going on there with the Eagles, I think that's a fan base that could warm to him just as quickly as they did in Jacksonville. Um, Fake moustaches and dressing in absolutely ridiculous ways ahoy. You know, he is a guy who could absolutely have a mini NFL revival here. And look, the second half wasn't as good as the first half, really from either team. I mean, they were basically just trading scores, weren't they, through the the first half. But nevertheless, I think that's a good Eagles win. I think it's a great performance by Minshew coming in cold. Um, So my surprise of the week, yeah, would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Things are, um, yeah, maybe looking a bit, uh, a bit, a bit better, always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I so um, I don't disagree with you on that. I think Minshew is probably a better quarterback, you know, in a more traditional sense. I think Hertz looks good when he's got the threat of the run and when, when he goes on the run, he's a real threat. I think if you make him stand in the pocket and pass, not so much. And Minshew showed that that is capable in that Eagles offense. So that was interesting. He threw so well in the first half. I mean, through a couple of beautiful, not, I mean, there was a couple of longer passes, a couple of lovely rainbows, but also a couple of nice touch passes. I mean, he, he was something ridiculous, wasn't he? Like 14 of 14 at the half. And you know what? Oh, I, yeah, he was solid. He was really, really good. And, you know, the Jets aren't great. You know, they're not the Patriots, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, the, I don't know, who do you want to throw in there? The, the Chiefs. But equally you know, they were frisky. They were up for it on, on Sunday. They were, you know, playing hard and, and, you know, starting to show elements of progression in that first half on the offensive side of the ball with, with Wilson coming back. But yeah, Minshew, I mean, do you know what you've got to think if you're Minshew a bit like the situation we have with the Titans, you know, a few years back and you, you talk about their kind of quarterback room and, and, you know, bringing in a quarterback who ultimately is coming in as a backup, but wants his opportunity. Minchu could arguably now have the remainder of the season to really put his stamp on that team. Um, look, he's he's won three interception performance away from that, absolutely evaporating as quickly as it came around. But I think we're not talking about a Mike White situation here. We are talking about a guy who has an opportunity to string together some performances and make himself a real bona fide starter in this league. So yeah, Minshew Mania is back. Um, Garda Minshew, um, hats off to you, sir. The uh, Top Gun-themed um, game attire arriving at the stadium, um, I'm guessing it was Goose he was trying to mimic. Um, younger listeners, ask your dad. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I could really see that happening and I kind of love him to have a bit of a, what would it be, a minchua sense 
am I working that too hard? But yeah, I'd love him to have another chance. I think he he did great things first time round for the Jags. So if that was your surprise performance of the week, um, let's now go for the high water mark. Standout performance of the week. I don't mind if you pick player or coach, but I'm certainly going to be pitching team. Who do you think put on a show at the weekend? And this time, JB, how about a throw over to you first? Obviously, I'm immediately I'm going to reach for the Steelers because I thought it was a great fourth quarter comeback. Um, but realistically, I think that victory was more about Lamar Jackson not throwing the ball properly and less about the Steelers having an incredible performance. Um, but the thing is, again, aside from that, I'm trying to think about the big splashes that we kind of saw. The things that stay in mind are that George Kittle touchdown, the first one we kind of got it on the sideline did some incredible toe tapping not only to keep his feet in bounds but to keep his momentum for it and then charging on for a touchdown i think that the seahawks fake punt that we've talked about kind of stands out and everything there um overall though i think best performance maybe go down as most surprising performance and i want to single out tua because I think there was obviously an incredible amount of doubt in the media, in, in conversation around, is two of the quarterback for the Dolphins? When are the Dolphins going to pull the trigger on the trade for Deshaun Watson? All of that kind of stuff. And yes, the trade deadline has obviously now passed, so we know that's not going to happen this year. But I think very quietly, that conversation has also kind of died down a lot because of Tua's play. I think he's controlled the offense very well. I think the Dolphins have, was it Dolphins have run four in a row now or something like that? And a lot of that has come off the pack of the back of some really, really outstanding quarterback play. And I think for all the stick that he got at the start, I think he's, he's, as he's gone on, he's kind of got stronger and stronger and really developed into a, into a quality starting quarterback. And I think he, he was really good this week. I mean, they are bizarre, aren't they? The Dolphins. I, I, mm. I said to you, I, I love the fact too is having a, a bit of time in the sun, both literally and metaphorically. But I mean, this is a team who's lost to the Jags, who's lost to the Falcons. You know, they've they've had some really, and I mean, got absolutely hammered by the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we're talking about the Bills being inconsistent. Well, they absolutely yeah. did a job on the Dolphins, not once but twice. But then you kind of look. I mean, they've beaten a bad Giants team this week they beat a i think it probably is a bad panthers team the week before they beat a bad jets team they beat the ravens that's probably the standout one and and then before that the texans and you go well who have they really beaten of any substance but then you start to look ahead and the games they've got coming so they've got the jets the saints you know you kind of start to look at these games and think well hold on they've then got the titans And then the Patriots. I mean, there's only really the Patriots out of those that you would think would go in as heavy favourites against Miami. I mean, does this team make the playoffs? I mean, if Tua makes the playoffs, we were talking about them. I mean, what were they at one point? I forget. Were they something ridiculous like 0-4, I mean, how bad were they at their worst? I mean, to think that they could yet be a playoff team is is a phenomenal achievement, regardless of who who you're beating. We've already talked about the Lions winning this week. You know, nothing is is certain in the NFL. But I mean, yeah, are the are the Dolphins the best good team in the NFL? I mean, they they really are an anomaly to me. Yeah. No. 
<laughs> they're an odd team. They're just odd. No, they're, an, they're odd. They're odd is the way to describe them. I think if they come up against somebody good, they'll get steamrolled. To a, uh, I don't know. I, I I totally get James's point, but I think we all know Tua's not going to be the guy next year, right? Like they're desperate to find somebody new as well as he's playing and. I think he could have an absolutely stellar season and they would still be all in for Deshaun Watson if he's available next year. I think it's interesting, you know, if Tua moves, you've got to look at teams like maybe the Saints. Not, I was about to say, not going to have a high draft well, pick, but it is kind of falling apart. Well, I, I will say this. If the Dolphins do decide that they'll go for Deshaun Watson again and decide they're going to move Tua Tango Vailoa on, I am sure that the number one in white on a black and gold jersey will look lovely. Really? So you'd have two at the Steelers? So I am I am basing this purely around the fact that obviously there was all of that discussion sort of towards the weekend of Roethlisberger privately telling people, this is it, this is going to be my last season as the quarterback of the Steelers. I thought the wording was very interesting in that it's not his last season, it's his last season as the quarterback of the Steelers and obviously opens his discussion of, well, where would Big Ben move on to, et cetera. But if our choices are go and get another quarterback or go with either uh, Dwayne Haskins, no thank you, or Mason Rudolph, absolutely no thank you, then yeah, absolutely, I'll take two or over those two jobbers. Oh. The Steel- I mean, I do love the fact Ben Roethlisberger, it's like privately he said he's going to be moving on from the Steelers. When ultimately, didn't the Steelers say at the start of the season quite publicly? I mean, I'm amazed even got this year. The, I mean, the, the, I mean, am I the, the only one who's not was, at all shocked by any no, of this? No, it wasn't the effusive thing- praise when he said, oh yeah, I'm coming back. They weren't like on their hands and knees begging him back. <laughs> the Steeler philosophy is always that you don't cut these people you don't you don't get rid of these players what you do is you give them the opportunity to kind of bow out on their terms but what you then end up with are situations like with Troy Polamalu where was exactly what yeah, I was thinking yeah. where it's basically like this everything was basically like look you need to retire we don't want to cut you you need to retire we don't want to cut you and eventually he did but I think it was a little later in the process than anybody had wanted. Um, and I kind of see the same thing here, but yeah. I remember, I mean, you are right that the Steelers handle that very differently to other teams. I mean, when the Chargers were in San Diego, I felt they never did that very well. Um, you know, when they moved on from players, it, it always seemed to be pretty acrimonious. And I'm trying to think who famously, who was the running back? I'm probably thinking of that they moved on from and yeah, you are right. The Steelers have a, um, a certain way of doing things, don't they? That is, Mm -hmm. that is definitely all of their own, but yeah, I'm not sure big Ben is breaking any huge news there by literally saying what everybody else knows. Um, Let's see him go to like the Carolina Panthers and go down with that sinking ship. I mean, there are a few teams I think that would take him. There are a few teams that I don't think he would, necessarily change the fortunes of but um but you know what? actually let, let's also say he did some good things from a really difficult position on sunday and again they i mean it was really funny because it was a game they never really looked in until they won it in a, in a weird mm-hmm. kind of way they, they ended up with the touchdown they ended up scoring late 
I'm trying to think who the throw was to now as I'm talking to it, but it, it, it had was f- to Deontay Johnson. It was to Johnson as he was coming right to left. And yep. it kind of had the feel of a garbage time touchdown. You know, it, it hmm. kind of had the feel of one of these completely kind of unimportant kind of, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, a game winning position, but um, yeah, you, well, it you can't was, take it, it away was, from him. He still does a lot of things very well. It it was one of those. I really, we're talking about Steelers now, so sorry, everybody. But it was one of those. I don't want to say classic Big Ben performances, but it was one of those Big Ben performances of come from behind, have to do a lot in the fourth quarter. The kinds of things that you always used to talk about Matt Stafford for. You know, it was always you know the number of of game winning drives Matt Stafford has led in the, in in the fourth quarter and all of that kind of stuff. And that throw, to, the throw and the touchdown to Johnson was fantastic. It was exactly what you wanted as a Steelers fan and exactly what you didn't want as a Ravens fan, not just because the coverage got messed up and two players collided with each other, but also because your standout corner got injured on it and he's potentially out for the season. And I suppose if, if we're throwing to other things that were, you know, other talking points for the, for the weekend, John Harbaugh's decision to go for two being based around the fact that he was worried they didn't have any cornerbacks left versus it actually being an analytics or a choice of like, no, no, we're, we're, we're riding momentum. We're going to go for the win here. I think kind of says a lot about maybe some concerns you've got to have for the Ravens with kind of the injuries that they're sustaining at the moment. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with that hundred percent. They, they already, I mean, there was a point, I think, at about week four, five, six, where they had more players on IR than any other team in NFL history. And I know IR is not, you know, something that goes back to the earliest days of the NFL. We're talking the modern era there, but but nevertheless, their injuries have been incredible. And you know, I said the the Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown felt like you know it was a garbage time touchdown. It, it was a really odd kind of feel around those those scores. It was kind of the same with that two-point try at the end to win the game that, you know, if the Ravens were like, I don't know, nine and two, and you kind of think, you know what, whichever way it goes, you're still in the playoffs. You know, this was a really big game against a really big rival that could have really significant implications for the playoff places. I just, I don't know, maybe it's exactly what you described. He's right because ultimately with so few players fit and healthy in the secondary, he wouldn't have been able to, you know, stop the bleeding as it were. But equally, I just think, I just think you, you kick the point and you, you go again for me. I, I don't know. There aren't many of these two point conversions that seem to work for me. The analytics might say one thing, my gut check says the other. And you, you do wonder where the Ravens are now. You are right. They've done well to this point to carry injuries, but how many is too many? Is this the straw that that breaks the camel's back, as it were? So if if we're starting to get on to um, other things, um, if the Ravens are a first pick out for you, JB, Aldrin, anyone for you this week who you feel the narrative really changed for? Anyone from positive to negative, negative to positive? Who haven't we mentioned who had a really big week in week 13? Um, I mean, I'm going to go to the Colts game. I was setting you up to one. go to the Colts game. They won 31 but nothing. Not, still Colts. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say, but maybe not on the Colts side, but maybe Terod Taylor for me was abysmal. 
you know, I mean, I think the one thing that we'd normally say with him is that he's fairly efficient. He's fairly consistent. He's not, not flashy, but not negative play. Yeah. Risk averse. Yeah. Yeah. And steady. I don't know. I felt he was so poor. I mean, to the point where he was benched for Davis Mills. And it sounds like from what Cully was saying the other day, that it's, you know, it's going to be maybe the Davis Mills show this go, you know, going forward, which I mean, sums up what every to Rod Taylor season for the last four or five years where yeah, he does. starts as the starter and then gets benched for somebody no better than him. Um, well, he's been benched for better always. plays than him before this season. This time, one no. of those seasons. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I just think he was incredibly poor. I mean, on the flip side, the Colts were amazing. That's, you know, I say amazing. I think that's maybe doing us a, a bit of overhype. We were solid and we beat what was put in front of us, which was not a heck of a lot. Um, I think it was so funny that the tone of the game was set in the very first play. You know, we intercepted Tyrod Taylor's first pass attempt and that just set the tone for how their offense was going to go and how our defense was. So, yeah, but it's to Rod Taylor for me because I think it's such a shame because he's a very likable guy, works well, comes into organizations and seems to steady the ship. And it felt again like he did that with the with the Texans a little bit at the start of the year, you know, comes in, no big talk, no splash, just gets on with his game. And well, they started the season brilliantly, didn't win. I mean, wasn't it that mammoth win where yeah. they put up 30 plus points and everyone was like, oh, the Texans are the you know the dark horse and then obviously they return to being the Texans but yeah I just think it's a bit of a shame for him that again he ends up probably getting benched for somebody else for another season the the pity for me is we have seen that Texans before a number of times this this season but as you mentioned none of them with to Rod Taylor under center right I mean Davis I mean if you're saying the rest of the season is going to be the Davis Love Show, well, I've seen that show and it's not very good. You know, that's Davis not Mills Show. Davis Mills. Am I comparing him to a '90s golfer again? You are. Uh, the Davis Mills Show is not a fun show, and I mean that doesn't get renewed for another season, does it? I mean, the one thing I will say is, I suppose the Deshaun Watson situation is so unique. I mean, we said if he'd have been traded, that is the first time in my living memory as an NFL fan going back to the early 80s, I can think of that type, calibre quarterback being traded. I think, you know, the stance that the franchise has taken, if that is the stance, you've now got to see it through. Um, But what a pity. I I mean, for me, going Davis Mills has... I don't know. It, it does feel like you're giving up. Maybe you're giving a young guy a chance to see if there's something before you head into the off season and you start seeing that though, right? better and we brighter. But we already saw that when Toronto was injured, we saw that there's not a lot there, but I mean, that's just, just me being cynical. Just as we're talking about the Texans, there's also been discussion that's kind of popped up. I think just before we started recording around the fact that um, Nick Cicero will not confirm that David Cully will be the head coach next season. And I know it's one of those things that are saying, well, he hasn't said he has, but he hasn't says 
He hasn't said that he will, but he hasn't said that he won't. But by not confirming that he will, surely you are you are wanting everybody to draw the conclusion that he won't be because it is if he is going to be here, say he's going to be here. There's no reason to not say he will be unless you're expecting him not to be, which I think would be ridiculous because this is a guy you you bought in, you gave with respect to all of the people who play for the Houston Texans and are trying their best, not a competitive squad in comparison to others in the, in the division. And are then basically saying, right, well, one and done off you go. It's a very, I think it's a, it's a very different scenario than what we're talking about with um, Dan Campbell and the lions. The lions have looked absolutely hopeless outside of the last weekend the Texans haven't looked hopeless. They have lost several games scoring absolutely no points whatsoever, but they've at least looked competent and won other games and still looked competitive despite it. And it just, it's just circles back to kind of the question that we ask ourselves sometimes like off pod of which is the worst franchise in the league, not the worst team, which is the worst franchise. And you have to keep coming back to the fact that the Texans are the defending champions of that yet again. Well, as I've done nothing so far other than make a couple of points and get most people's names wrong when it comes to the Texans, let's say that they're currently 2-10, and as are the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have this generational quarterback under centre. I mean, can I be the first person to say it? Everyone who seems to watch the Jaguars seems to think that they still have this really bright future because Lawrence will get things right. What are they watching that I'm missing? I mean, there is arm talent, but if he wasn't the player he was in college, I don't think the NFL tape is backing that up. And and to to get back around to my point, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would be far better off making a change at head coach than the Houston Texans would be. I think the Houston Texans make a change at head coach. I mean, what's left? I mean, shut the door. You know, just, just pull down the shutters and move on. I mean... The Jags, for me, need that. The Texans absolutely don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm the thing with Lawrence that I would say is if you think about last year and Joe Burrow, yeah, maybe not quite as bad of a franchise that he's going into, but Joe Burrow went into a, a pretty dang bad franchise and a pretty poor situation, you know, lack of receiving talent. There wasn't a heck of a lot going on there. Terrible offensive line. And yet you still saw those games last year. And I think, Rob, you you and I were probably the same, that we didn't necessarily say Burrow looked as good as he'd been advertised in college. And, you know, I had a few doubts about him going into this year, and I think he's proved that wrong. Um, but you saw the flashes, you know, you saw the, the passes, the games even, big phases of plays where he led his team and he looked like an NFL-caliber quarterback and, you know, He's he's kind of ridden that this year. Lawrence arguably came into the league with much more hype. You know, this is a generational talent that's been talked about since high school as the presumptive number one pick every year of his, you know, what do you call it, professional life in college and, yep. and then coming into the NFL. I think he's not showing what he's capable of. He's not really leading the team brilliantly. It, it certainly doesn't look like he's got them organized or disciplined. Now, you could say maybe that he's without his 
properly talented wide receiver in Chark. And, you know, with um, Travis Etienne, wasn't it? The, yeah. the running back yeah. from Clemson that he, he was drafted with. They've missed him. But equally, there's enough talent there to be moving the chains a little bit more than he is and at least showing yep. that he's got the talent. I don't think the scheme that he's in is helping him at all. You know, the guy thrived in an RPO offense and they're just not kind of playing to his strengths at the minute. And I, I feel like that's not going to help them. I do totally agree with you. I think a change at head coach would be advisable. And I, maybe I just feel like an NFL caliber head coach. Yeah, it feels all a bit disjointed. And I, I, my worry is that I do still think that Trevor Lawrence, having watched enough of his college tape, is an incredibly talented NFL potential player. However, I'm worried that you end up in a, a terrible organization like the Jags are. You cycle through one, maybe two coaches in the next two years. And it all becomes a little bit downhill, very murky, lack of direction. And you end up, I don't know, maybe with, it's not the right comparison, but you know what Baker Mayfield went through? Yeah. You know, that real up and down, oh, he looks great one game and then terrible the next, then it's just all a bit disjointed. That's my worry for Lawrence. Well, Go on, JB, sorry. That's what I said. My mind was kind of going to be... Uh comparing him to a quarterback of a team that one of us knows and loves very, very well, because there were a lot of comparisons when Lawrence was coming out of college that was, he's the best quarterback, the best prospect that we've seen since Andrew Luck. And we saw what happened when Andrew Luck went to a really, really bad Colts team. Sorry, Aldrin. He carried that team on his back for far too many seasons and they broke him physically because they couldn't protect him. And then once they broke him physically, I think they broke him mentally and he just was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't need to keep doing this. And, you know, for a couple of seasons, I think there was always that little bit of hope of, you know, he was going to come back from retirement. And I think there was even, there was even a lot of discussion that he was going to come back and replace Brady at the Patriots. Um, and it, it never happened and it probably never will. And I think that's the, that's the trajectory that I would be worried about, not necessarily kind of going through what you, you'd hope he goes through what Mayfield goes through, because I think Mayfield's landed with a coach and an, organiza and an organizational structure now with Stefanski that actually favors him Agreed. and puts him yeah. in a position to succeed. What you got to be worried about is he's going to, he's, they're going to cycle through a couple of coaches. They're not going to be able to build a team properly. And in 10, 15 years time, we're going to be talking about what could have been with Trevor Lawrence in the same way we were talking about what could have been with Ryan Leaf. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not quite ready to say Lawrence is the next Ryan Leaf, but I will say this. The, the one point that obviously we can touch on is if we take Aldrin's initial point that you followed up there, JB, what if they cycle through a number of head coaches off the back of bad seasons, well, let's say two years down the road, right? So forget season one. Let's imagine there's a season two under his belt as well, and we haven't seen the uplift. Well, does a new head coach come in and think, well, you know what? We're not a good team. We've got a high draft pick. Do I move on from Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I know he was hyped far more than any quarterback. You know, there's probably a Sam Darnold comparison somewhere. But, but I mean, I think he was at a much higher level through college than Darnold even. But players like that don't tend to find their feet 
with second teams either, do they all that often? I mean, for me, and I mean, it's easy when you're a fan, right? But if I'm Saeed Khan and I'm, you know, looking at what do I do with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I sit down at the end of the season and I go and get Jim Harbaugh, right? I go and pay whatever I need to pay to get a coach that's proven they can do it in the NFL. And I mean, he did it with Alex Smith and with Colin Kaepernick, who I'm not as down on Kaepernick as some. I'm certainly a reasonably big fan of Alex Smith, but nevertheless, he was able to accentuate those players' skill sets in those 49ers teams. So they were winning games and they had very different skill sets. You know, he was able to do different things with those players and still find winning formulas. I'd be going and getting a Harbour. I mean, you know, who else are you going to get? You know, the the good NFL coaches are going to stay with the good NFL teams they currently lead. You know, it's not like Andy Reid's available the end of this year, I don't think. But yeah, for me, I think you go and get Jim Harbour and you you see what you can do. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sold. And and do you know what? I know we didn't give that many headlines, but I think that's a nice whistle stop tour, isn't it? Of the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the roundabouts. Um, you heard it here first, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe needs to do some work to turn this round. Does anyone, you know, that whole Trevor Lawrence thing when you go, oh, you know, he's thrown so many interceptions this season. Do you know the last person to throw this many interceptions? Well, oh, it was Peyton Manning, all all these nonsense stats. Do you know the other quarterbacks that throw a lot of interceptions are really bad quarterbacks? I mean, you've just said it, JP. I mean, yeah, Andrew Luck ended up broken, but he at least showed something. Give me the game film that says Trevor Lawrence is a star. And I want him to be. I think he can be and should be. But we're now more than halfway through a season where I haven't even seen the spark, really. Um, But yeah, anyway, all that is left before we round out our first part of the week is collectively to decide who is the best team in the National Football League. So last week, Aldrin, in your absence, JB and I, well, actually, JB, I was just happy to go along with it, selected the New England Patriots. They are currently atop of our tree. Um, Who do you think is the best team in the NFL right now? Are you going Patriots or are you going to take us somewhere else? I don't think I can pick a team that threw for 19 yards in a game. As much as that game was, a, like you said earlier, a Bill Belichick behemoth of a game. Um, and uh, you know I I love Josh McDaniels just I don't know throwing out half of his playbook and just looking at the run just looking at the runs and cycling through those albeit to great effect in what was you know a real tough set of conditions as the Bills proved but um, yeah I can't go with the team that threw three times for 19 yards regardless of the conditions I just can't do it this week Um, uh, I mean, I don't want to jinx it, Rob, but it's the Cardinals for me. I think they look the most fearsome. Well, I wouldn't have gone Patriots. I don't yet feel brave enough to go Cardinals. But JB, what you got? Red Sea, rise up. Atlanta Falcons, is that? Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of mix in the Red Sea with, (laughs) with the chant of the Atlanta Falcons. But I see where you were going. So you're going Cardinals as well. Yep. Um... Do you know what part of me thinks the Packers are still quietly doing it? But you can't really pick a team off the bye, can you? You can't go the best team in the NFL. Just no, they didn't play. Come on, we can't pick them. So you can't go them. 
do you know what? It, it really doesn't sit well with me. I do think there are still better teams than the Cardinals, but if I'm being outvoted two to one that it's the Cardinals, well, worse things happen at sea, right? I'll take that. Um, so there you go. If it was the Patriots last week, putting up 30 plus points at Soldier Field in Chicago against the Bears is all it takes to topple New England. The Arizona Cardinals are this week's best team in the NFL. Um, and on that huge news, um, well, gents, I will say goodbye, but only for 48 hours, because in two days' time, we're back doing the Pick'em show. No PB again. No PB on either show this week. But for those of you who miss him when he's not here, it's possible, right? Could could happen. Um, he will be back next week, joining us for both shows one and two. But gentlemen, wonderful stuff, wonderful output. I'll look forward to getting back together in a couple of days and doing it all over again. Oh, oh, before I go, look at me winding up. Um, JB, we've got to remember that now in our recap show, we have to do who won the pick'em exercise from the week before. So before we let all our listeners go off and carry on with their day-to-day lives, who was our superstar picker last weekend? Uh, well, it did. It could potentially have come down to Monday night football. Um, but with the Patriots taking that victory as well, it was our absentee podcast member phil taking his second win in a row absolutely uh, he has now taken he's now won two in a row twice so far this season and currently leads with five victories <sighs> right okay so he's not here who was second uh me and you tied yeah. No, sorry. Aldrin was second at nine and hey! five so phil went ten and four Aldrin went nine and five and then you and i tied on eight and six right okay that sounds perfectly reasonable, um, but nice. Good job, yeah. PB. He does. He doesn't listen. I don't think. But but if he does, he'll be in for a nice surprise. He's busy compiling stats so that he can win each week. That's what. It is, is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what yeah. he, he's busy looking at next gen stats? Is that is that what we think? He um, is the so podcast yeah. head of Google, so you know. Podcast <laughs> head of Google. Um, I was about to say something entirely inappropriate. Yeah, I'll leave that. It was to do with an internet computer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Um, so uh, that ends our first show. See you all in 48 hours for more of the same. Um, thanks for your company, gents. Bye, all. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.